umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to talk about the game the looming conflict between the michigan wolverines and the ohio state buckeyes at the big house the big 10 east division On the line, a trip to the Big Ten Championship at Indianapolis, and probably a berth in the college football playoffs. Well, Clint, are those high enough stakes for one game? Yeah, you're just talking about this season. You know, you you didn't even attach all of, you know, Jim Harbaugh's legacy and and whether or not he's uh, an adequate coach and whether Michigan's a legitimate program nationally and everything else that you could throw on top of the, the heap. You could just keep shoveling until it's like sky high. There's plenty. There's plenty to shovel. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what you expect. I think as a Michigan fan, you expect uh, to be right in the thick of it in November, and you expect the game against Ohio State to be, you know, for huge stakes. And, and you know, this is exactly you know what we all would have asked for and what what some of the loudest complaints from people that I respect the most have been in the last few years is that uh it wasn't this you know that Michigan wasn't in the thick of it in November and and you know probably didn't have what was necessary to 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 stand toe to toe with the Buckeyes in November I think uh this year that's different I think this team is different than than what we've seen the last couple of years just as you said Clint one of the frustrations I have this season is that here we have Michigan on an epic roll, right? And, of course, we're all disappointed about what happened in East Lansing. And yet, here we are, everything on the line, a home game versus Ohio State, toe meeting leather at noon, exactly as God intended it. I mean, you could not have written up a better script and yet there's a certain contingent of the Michigan fan base who are so fatalistic they've kind of already given up and are already anticipating a loss. And, and I just shake my head because if you had told us heading into this season that this is where we would, have, where we would be at this time, you and I both would have taken it excitedly, right? When we've done our podcast every week, we have admitted – or I have admitted, and I know you have too, that, hey, I didn't expect Michigan to be at this point, but I'm going to take it. This is great. And it's interesting because, you know, to to have these kind of stakes, to have, um, you know, Ohio State coming into the big house and a winner-take-all, I, I think that Coach Harbaugh talked about it, right? He says it's, it's a playoff. Jim, what does it mean to you personally that this game means so much to, to Michigan again and obviously to Ohio State? But to, you know, once again, the game is really a game with more than just bragging rights and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's both really, right? I mean, it's, um, it's both those things. It's both teams uh, have a lot on the line. Um, it's, a, it's a true playoff in that sense, in the, in the college football playoff world i mean this is this is the start of the playoffs um you know the team that wins will advance uh the team that doesn't won't so um you know it's got it is that uh and it's also you know the big game the game the rivalry on the left andrew how often in your daily life whether out to dinner or around campus does, does someone mention beating line? um as as often as it is, on my own mind. For um, for everybody, you know, everybody, everybody, coaches, players, uh, you know, it's about having good days, um, and even great days. You want these to be the best days we've had all season. Best best meetings, best practices, um, great days, and uh, and then go play the game. The the individual role. I mean, understanding your role, preparing for what your role is going to be, you know, stay in that role and, and, and even star in that role is, is what our guys are preparing for. 
in the middle. Jim, when it comes to this game, when student athletes leave Michigan, whether it's five or ten years from now, they're always asked about how they do against the rival. What have you said to your guys about the legacy that they can leave this Saturday? Yeah, it's a it's a huge opportunity um, uh, in that regards. It's it's um, whether it's said or not said, it's it's known. Yeah, we prepare for it like it is the game. What does that include? Everything I talked about earlier, uh, the rivalry and the it's a playoff game. The, the winner gets to keep playing and the loser does not. Channeling Bo and Woody, you know, blocking and tackling. Uh, the game will, in large part, come down to it. Just needed to be cranked up a little bit. Is that part of that? Uh, is like I explained, and you know, a couple times. I mean, this this is a game. Uh, you got you got to channel Bo. You got to channel the uh, the blocking and the tackling, uh, sustaining blocks, uh, getting off blocks, and uh, making tackles. So blocking they- and tackling. When you add all of the other stuff swirling around. Um, you know, the disappointment of the last several seasons, the questions about Jim Harbaugh, the fear, and, and let's be clear, the fear of Ohio State, you're in a position to take care of it. You are in, Michigan is in a position to vanquish the demons for this season and really announce themselves as being back. And there's no one more critical of Michigan's performance in the rivalry, and I say rivalry in air quotes, over the last 15 or 20 years than me. You know, I say, listen, the hammer and nail aren't rivals, okay? Too often, Michigan has been the nail in this rivalry, okay? And now, everything sets itself up for Michigan to shake off all of those negative results and kind of declare themselves back. And I'm super excited about it. I'm just really surprised that the uh, the amount of of angst, the amount of um, you know, and and even you know, I've talked to people who've had who've talked about well, you know, in most years I would have killed to have extra tickets. This year I don't know. I mean, you don't want to see what's going to happen if it goes bad. And I just I kind of just roll my eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what what I expect on a yearly basis, you know, has been met. And I think that Michigan's got the team that can stand the toe to toe with the Buckeyes. Like I mentioned, um, the, the, the fatalism that you mentioned or the, you know, fear, you know, the, is the simple version of it. I, I just, I don't understand it because, you know, we're fans, you know, we're not physically getting hurt or, or, or being, you know, being, you know, actually in the arena on the field or, or, or emotionally or, or have our live, you know, livings um, affected by the game, you know, it's, it's emotion, you know, and I certainly understand being emotional about the game. Uh, like I, I mentioned uh, during the loss to Michigan State, you know, it was some, some tough learning that had to happen in my household with, uh, with my kids who are, you know, seven and, and six, you know, and four, you know, they, they were upset and I get it. I was upset, you know, but trying to teach them how to manage their emotions is part of it, you know? So I think I kind of learned having to walk through it with them and then dealing with the uh, negative emotions, you know, gave me a, a more broad perspective on maybe how I handled myself as a, as a kid and a young adult and, and now, but it doesn't, I'll tell you what, I did not learn to just never care again, n- never hope to win again, or just immediately write it off to protect my own emotional state because I don't want to be upset. I don't want to buy in and really put my, my own emotion on the line to you know, to, to protect myself from being sad if Michigan doesn't play well and doesn't beat Ohio State. You know, that's that's not what it's about, you know. If, if if Michigan loses 99 times in a row and it's always by 100 points, you know, the, the last time, 100th time, if it's this situation and both teams are 10-1 and, and all the marbles are on the line, 
I'm going to get up and I'm going to watch that game and I'm going to be as fired up as ever, right? It's it's kind of like uh, at the casino at a roulette table and you see that it's come up black 14 or 15 times in a row. Yes, I understand that, but that does not affect this particular spin. It does not affect this particular game. What does? These coaches, these kids, the you know the stadium and the environment, the atmosphere, and then how both teams play this coming Saturday. That's what matters. And that that's what will determine how the game goes. So, you know, because we've lost so many of these in a row, I, I just I can't I can't alter the way that I personally approach the game and, and I just you know, I'm not gonna tell anybody else how to be a fan, certainly. I just I can't understand it. And uh, you know, that's you know, if that's if you have to protect your, your own emotional state in that way, then, you know, do what you have to do. But I, I would rather, I'd rather have it all riding on the game because that's what makes it so awesome when, when Michigan does win and, and eventually they will win. It might be this year. It might be next year. It might be both. It might be that Michigan goes on a run and wins the next 10 in a row. It's, it could be any of those things, but I, I want to be able to enjoy it fully so every single time I'm going to be there and I'm all in. You know, I was at U of M during the John Cooper years. And one of my good friends at the time kind of offhandedly said to me, you know, I don't even really consider Ohio State a rival anymore because we beat him so much. And, you know, I, I, I had to educate him. I'm like, listen, enjoy this. Because one thing we've learned about the rivalry is it won't stay like this for long. And surely I did not anticipate it to spin back in Ohio State's favor. But at some point it will spin back. And don't you want to be there to experience that? I mean, imagine the people who, and I'm sure I try to imagine this fan base, you know, transported back to 1969. Well, Ohio State killed us last year, and this bow guy has a great year going, but... Yeah, I don't know if I want to go see Ohio State. Oh, come on. Okay, it's that kind of just, if you're a fan, I don't get it, okay? Um, if if you're an outsider, if you're a, you know, what's the, what's the term? The Walmart Wolverine, the casual fan, okay, maybe. I'm not going to excuse it. But if you're a true fan, you want to be there, you want to root for your team. And, you know, one of the things I say, Nobody cares more than the guys who are on the field. Okay. The guys who are getting hurt, the guys who are, you know, actually pounding helmets with Ohio state, the guys who've been practicing. And I believe as fans, we owe them their, we owe them the support. Okay. And I guess, um, I'm a little, I don't quite understand the, the fans who are already, kind of giving in right because that's not me um i'll tell you i i have sat and watched every ohio state game i started re-watching their games uh a couple weeks ago i mentioned to you i had a work trip so i didn't have access to my to my computer and have time to watch all the game films so i started prepping for ohio state early and i believe that this Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, Michigan football team has been built to beat this Ohio State team. I can't guarantee it's going to happen. Nobody can. But as I watch and as I see the way this team is constituted, and it goes back to the changes they made last year, especially on offense and, and, and defense, this team has been reshuffled specifically to beat this team. And I can't wait to see it. No matter what happens, I, I will be cheering, and I will support my team. I will support my university. I am an alum, and I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had words with a few people this, this week about, you know, kind of get your head out of your butt, okay? It's Michigan-Ohio State, and, um, you know, support the guys. Cause, and, you know, one thing to mention um, – the players have called for a maze out. Hey, Michigan fans, this is Aiden Hutchinson. 
I'm just here to remind you that you can make a difference this Saturday. Be early, be loud, wear maze, and I just want to make this the loudest and craziest environment that the Big House has ever seen. See you there, and go blue. Anything that you can do to try to bring the type of electricity that, that we had back in week two, when everybody thought Washington was going to be really a big top 20 uh, opponent, right? That That's, you know, it's this is that on steroids. This is as good as it gets as a Michigan football fan. This is what you want. This is where you want it. And, uh, you know, this is a, a great time to kind of come together and, and feel connected to 100,000 other people, you know, that, that you know feel some somehow similar to how you do. You know, it's some of the some of the best times that I had in the stadium, certainly, where we're in the stands during this game where you're, you're, you're hugging and high-fiving the people around you, people you've never met before, you know, in, in a lot of cases. You know, the, the 2013 game that came down to the last uh, two-point conversion, and then there was these two kids, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years old behind, and uh, every time Michigan scored, you know, they went nuts. They went nuts, and it was high-fives for everybody. There was probably a group of... 25 people that were all giving each other high fives and just falling all over each other because we're so excited during that game. So, you know, that's, that's the stuff you got to cling on to and embrace, you know, the rest of the stuff, you know, I get it. It sucks. If, if, and when Michigan loses, it sucks, you know, but that's the cost. That's the cost. It's like, uh, I don't know. It feels like the beginning of a bad, like, uh, uh, rom-com, you know, like somebody has been jilted, a you know, left at the altar so they're never going to love again, right? And the first thing that has to happen is this person has to kind of snap out of it and realize, guess what? You know, that's the that's the fast track to isolation and misery is to pretend like you don't care, right, or that it doesn't matter. That's, a, that's part of this team, this university, this rivalry is that you care, right? No matter how bad it's going, you, you have to care because that's that's what builds – the, that's the foundation of the entire thing. So, you know, one one person or, or you know, a, a generation of fans that, that feel like they've had it rough because of the last decade or two decades, right? I'm right there with you, right? And <laughs> Trestle was hired in my senior year of high school. This has pretty much been my, my young adulthood has been watching Ohio State pound on Michigan in the biggest times, right? I, I get it, right? But this year is this year. This year is this year, and and you got to put it out there. You got to lay your own emotions on the line, because that's a really small ask compared to what you know we're asking some of the other guys that are that are actually in the battle and in the fight. You know, so um, you know I'm fired up. I'm sure, I'm sure it probably comes through in the audio. You know, this this week is just different for me. You know, I, I've been trying to uh, trying to get the kids all fired up and understand why it's a little bit different. You know, they, they know that we don't like uh, Ohio State particularly well. So uh, I had to show them the, the Buckeyes tearing down the banner <laughs> in 73. I had to show them uh, Woody Hayes tearing up the down marker on the sidelines in, in the big house. I had to, uh, had to show them Woody Hayes punching a Clemson player on the sideline. You know, they, they understand that, that, you know, this is why we don't like the Buckeyes, and, and it's why this game matters a little bit more every year. So, uh, so we're we're fired up, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited, and I think that this is going to be a game for the ages. I, I really do. I think this is going to be an instant classic. Absolutely. So we've talked about the meta around the game. So, Clint, how do you feel Michigan stacks up on the field? it's it's tough to it's tough to kind of put it into into text or into words really um but they are they're right there they're right there with ohio state in each of the matchups now i'm not saying michigan's offense is as good as ohio state's offense you know when i when i write the the by the numbers previews um i look at the the matchup that's actually happening on the field and when you look at you know, Ohio State's offense, number one by far uh, by the most advanced metric systems this year, right? Michigan's defense is seventh. You know, that's a really uh, good on good, iron sharpens iron kind of competition. You know, that's two strengths going uh, against each other. 
Ohio State's defense is not as strong. Michigan's offense is not quite as strong as its as its defense. That would be 14th in SB plus for Ohio State's defense and 22nd for Michigan on offense. Again, not the top tier, but right there next to each other in the second tier. So there's balance there. And uh, and then special teams, Michigan, second nationally as a special teams unit. Guess who's number one? Ohio State. I mean, this is very evenly matched with Ohio State being uh, a couple spots ahead in all three units. And I think that that – that that's kind of the whole that's the whole story right that's that's what it is right there is that a little bit of uh, a talent edge built up year over year over year and you end up with um you know not having a real strong advantage in any one phase of the game that you can lean on so what it's going to take is really um superior execution and and Michigan players are going to have to play above their head, not only, you know, on average across all of the plays, but as we always say in those really high leverage moments, you know, Michigan's Michigan's players are going to have to step up and beat guys that probably on paper, you you know, they don't have an advantage against. They're going to have to make it happen this game in this day in order to, to swing the tide because right now on paper, it's really, really, really close. I, I agree with what you said that this team is really assembled to go toe to toe with Ohio State, um, but Ohio State is still really that good that I would still give them uh, an advantage when you when you dig into the analytics and the numbers. Absolutely, and understand. In no way am I saying, "Oh, Michigan owns this game." We've seen Jim Harbaugh kind of. Build a Michigan team, get beat against Ohio State, rebuild, lose again, rebuild. And when I look at the matchups, okay, so you're right. They're very close. The the game that reminds me the most of the feeling I have is how I felt in the 2006 game where when Michigan and Ohio State were both highly ranked, Michigan went down to the horseshoe and lost 42-39. to And not that our offense is that high-powered, but I remember thinking, gosh, both these teams are so evenly matched, but advantage goes to the home team. And that's kind of how I feel this year, where I look at, listen, I I watch Ohio State, and uh, it reminds me of a boxing match. Listen, they can knock you out quick. It can get silly. And, And I think... If you have any doubt about that, look what happened to Michigan State, okay? I I rewatched that game and I'm like I'm looking at what the the counters that Michigan State did and I'm like, "You know what? Michigan's better than that." And I know there are people who are going to cringe that Michigan lost to Michigan State. Yes, they did. But when I watch that game, that shows you how quickly things can get away, okay? The difference here is when I look at the different aspects and wrinkles that Michigan has made on defense and the different weapons that Harbaugh has assembled and Josh Gaddis have assembled on the offensive side, I'm going to look back to the Bianca Patuka game where he ran for over 300 yards. And Clint, I was there, okay? And, I, you know, this was before the days of digital scoreboards. He just kept running and running and running and didn't have, like, an 80-yard run. Like, honestly, it was one of those times I'm sitting in the stands and my dad always had his radio with him and he says, you know, Branstetter says he has over 200 yards. And I'm like, that can't be right. And you get to the end of the game and you go back and look at the highlights and there was there were only a huge, huge vintage runs in the highlight reel because it was four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards, just constantly a sledgehammer. Okay, and when I look at the Ohio State offense, I think, you know, the best way to keep offense from scoring is not let them be on the field. Okay, so what I think Michigan has to do in this game is when they score, run time off the clock and to make Ohio State run time on the clock when they're scoring. Don't give them the quick drives. 
you know, because that, you know, what we saw happen against Michigan State and Ohio State was, you know, the Buckeyes just just killed them, just killed them, scored again quick, scored again quick, scored again quick. And, you know, you just, the momentum swings so much. But you also got to notice that that game was at Ohio State. And most, as we mentioned last podcast, Ohio State plays most of their games at home. Very rarely do they go into a hostile stadium. And I don't think they go into anything nearly as hostile as what they're going to walk into in the big house on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And so here's when you said that that this Michigan team is built to uh, to beat Ohio State. What I see when I look at Ohio State's season and and who had success against them, you know, comparatively, and who didn't. Obviously, it starts with Oregon, who was able to beat the Buckeyes in Columbus. Right now, Oregon is the 19th-ranked SP Plus offense and the 38th-ranked defense. So the 38th-ranked SP Plus defense held the Buckeyes to 28 points. Number one, what they did, they didn't give up any defensive touchdowns. <laughs> that's that's something that the Buckeyes have absolutely thrived on this year is they've scored points on defense and special teams. Oregon didn't let that happen. They made the offense do all of the scoring. The next thing they did, to your point, was use their run game to shorten or to, to reduce the number of possessions, right? They stopped Ohio State three times on fourth down and got one interception. So that's four turnovers, you know, three, three stops and an interception. And uh, Ohio State scored four touchdowns, and that's it. That's that's what it is. It's balance with it's complementary football and balance that, um, in an effort not to let it get lopsided, the way the opposite of that, the inverse of that is like you said, what happened to Michigan State. Michigan State's strength is Kenneth Walker the third, who who was probably the Heisman front runner going into that game. He carried the ball six times. Because as soon as you kick the ball off and everybody settled into their seats, got their popcorn ready, it was 14 to nothing. And Michigan State had to score to even, to even keep it uh, in striking distance in the first quarter. You know? And immediately your game plan and your strength, your identity is now out the window. So the, the key is to get off to a, a strong start and stay um, – stay in the fight through that initial blast that you're going to get from, from this offense. I mean, the, what the Buckeyes are bringing on offense is, is it's right there in the conversation with that 2019 LSU team. And in some ways, maybe better, it might be a better receiver core than that LSU team with, uh, you know, fifth year senior Joe Burrow having a, having an edge over, you know, redshirt freshman C.J. Stroud. But those two units are, are historically great offensive units, right? So the, the goal has to be to make them earn their points, don't give them freebies, um, don't give up, uh, you know, 70-yard uh, touchdowns, right? Make the tackles, even if they get loose and get a, get a big chunk play, make the tackle and line up again, right? Give yourself a, a patch of dirt to stand on. And then try to shut them down in the red zone, and and force field goals. That's what Nebraska did. That's what Penn State did. Again, teams that have some balance to them, right? That are top thirty, top twenty-five offense, top thirty, top twenty-five defense, uh, have the ability to move the ball, get their own first downs, and then you know stand up tall in the in the red zone. Um, can also do it. The last team that I would say that that used that model to give Ohio State fits was the first week um, at Minnesota. Uh, their, uh, Mo Ibrahim was running crazy on, on the Buckeyes in that opening game to the point that I thought maybe they were going to get upset. And then he had a, a season-ending Achilles injury in the third quarter, and that was, that was pretty much it. Minnesota's bounced back now and got their run game going again, but um, they were the 57th offense right now. Minnesota, the Gophers are, but the 16th defense. So again, balance on both sides. Uh, 
Ohio State scored 45 points against Minnesota, including a, a, a pick six. So if you got to hold their offense somewhere in the 30s, I would say. Cannot give up a defense or special team score um, because that's how it starts to get lopsided and then you're down by multiple scores. You got to be able to hang tight through the fight, keep it uh, you know tied or, or stay ahead of them if possible through the first half and then make the big plays when it counts in the second half. Make the key plays when it counts most in the second half. That's that's the recipe. That's what has to happen. I completely agree. I think, again, to, to use the analogy of a, of a fighter, like a boxing match, Ohio State is somebody who comes out and just tries to put you down in the first or second round, and Michigan needs to survive that. Michigan needs to hold it close, not panic, kind of give the Buckeyes some doubt. And as you said, Ohio State's going to score their points. Okay, this is not a team that's going to be completely contained, but you need to make them earn it. You need to make them pay in time on the clock. Okay, and I think that's important. You know, one of the criticisms by some this season when looking at the play of Cade McNamara is that you know, there's the, the backhanded compliment that he's a game manager, right? Well, that's kind of what you need here. You need somebody who's going to make the right play most of the time and not make the big mistake, not throw two, three, four interceptions, not turn the ball over, fumble it two or three times. And Cade has shown himself to be very competent, very even-handed, and has started to show over the last couple weeks that he can make the big throw when needed. So I, I think he's coming into his own. I, I look back at, you know, there's been a lot of criticisms. Of course, last year there wasn't a game due to COVID. And um, Michigan captain Josh Ross mentioned that in his uh, press conference this week. As far as last year? Yeah. It's BS, to be honest with you. That's the game we always got second on our calendar and always want to play. And as a Michigan Wolverine, that's a, that's a game you'd die for. Um, so, honestly, BS, and it doesn't matter. This year is what matters, and right now is what matters. But a lot of people were pointing back to, look, in 2018, it was supposed to be Michigan, and they lost 62-39. to And then the year after, back in Ann Arbor, they lost 56-27. to This is a rebuilt defense, Okay. And even the offense has been significantly tweaked. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like a stock. You can't look at the previous performance and assume that everything's going to be the same for this game. I think that there's been significant changes. Um, Coach Harbaugh spoke this week about how they introduced the Ohio State drill. Um, Jim, can you describe the Ohio drill to us more or less and how that came about and how much you hope it helps you on Saturday? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a run drill. It's a run, run drill and a run-stopping drill. Uh, all runs, all runs are between the tackles, um, and it's physicality, uh, emphasis, and emphasis on how on Ohio State and keeping them on our minds on a, uh, every, every day of practice. When did you start that? Uh, first day of spring. And that's one thing that Harbaugh has consistently done is that he's continued to change and mix different approaches up. And this team is in the position to, to, to be amazing. And, you know, just to, to go back to, you know, the fans who, who are kind of, uh, dreading the game on Saturday, I would tell you as a fan, it's not nearly as enjoyable when the team wins when you come in with that attitude, right? So, um, again, support the team, own the victory, own whatever happens, and support the team. And, and I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I approach every game from a pessimistic point of view. Okay, what could go wrong? You know, because you, meaning that you want to kind of plan for it emotionally, right? Because I'm really emotionally invested. And, and I, I'm going to repeat it. I've watched every Ohio State game this year. I watched the game they lost. I watched the game they slapped Michigan State around. Michigan is peaking. 
Michigan can do this. And I'm, I'm relishing the game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. It cannot happen soon enough. Yeah, I, I I can't wait. It's I'm actually glad when they shuffled the schedule that this game got moved to the holiday week, right? Because at least with the holiday and and you know running around and getting ready and going and see family, at least the from the middle of this week forward kind of goes quickly because there's so much to do. And then all right, now you wake up and it's Saturday morning, so that uh, that helps because. In years past, when when this wasn't on Thanksgiving week, uh, man, th- these <laughs> Thursday and Friday were like the longest days um, ever, ever. So I, I'm, 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 you know, chomping at the bit, just like you are. You know, I've got to try to uh, come up with some strategies for myself to uh, to try to stay relatively professional in the press box this coming Saturday. Remind myself where I am and and, and how to act. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think what we are going to see here is, is Michigan's going to have a chance to win this game. It's going to be uh, a, a similar feeling, similar uh, level of drama to, um, to what it felt like in the Michigan State game just a few weeks ago. I don't think that the narrative of the game is going to look like that, but I think in the fourth quarter, that's the situation they're going to be in. It's going to be within a score and one team or the other is going to have the ball with a chance to win, and it's going to come down to making plays uh, on that drive or getting the stop on that drive and being able to do it when it matters most. You know, we've seen that over and over and over again this season. Michigan's been able to do it against teams that are not as good as Ohio State, but they were able to do it on the road. And now finally we get that challenge here in the big house and get to see it in person ourselves. So what – Let's let's put you on the spot first in terms of predictions. How do you see the uh, the scoreboard playing out? Michigan thirty four, Ohio State thirty one. Yeah, that's that's uh. It was really hard not to say something very very similar. I had to stay pretty uh, pretty true to my methods for looking at it through the, the scope of all of the analytics, and when Ohio State had an edge in all three phases of the game. I think on paper I, I have to say that uh, although I do think it's going to come down to making the plays in the in the fourth quarter, I think it's going to end up being that offense and Michigan's defense is going to have to make a stop to win, and I hope they can do it. But I, I see the edge in all three phases eventually, you know, wearing down the, the Wolverines. I, I – I think they can hold. They got to hold them under thirty-five to win. I think Michigan's going to score thirty-five points, and I'm I'm predicting thirty-eight, thirty-five. And I, I get a feeling, um, if I had to really put a, a, a specific prediction out there, I think Michigan may be up thirty-five, thirty-one. You said thirty-four, thirty-one. Um, I think that might be the case, and I think that might be the scoreboard in the fourth quarter. And then it's going to be can this defense one time. Stop the three-headed receiver monster. Stop the uh, the Heisman front runner, and uh, you know their own five-star true freshman, their own version of Donovan Edwards at running back. So, um, if they do that, if they if they come up big in that moment, they'll win. And uh, you know, if and when that happens, you know, you and I will have the same uh, joyous feeling. And I, I pray <laughs> to uh, to all of the maize and blue. Spirits that exist, I pray to be wrong. But I, I've got Ohio State 38, Michigan 35. So how – you know, you try to think about scenarios where Michigan wins this game, okay? And, uh, you know, people may laugh at my prediction, but, listen, I, I'm clear-eyed when I look at – when I make it, right? Listen, Ohio State is going to score at least 30 points, Okay. I think an amazing day by the Michigan defense and a disappointing day by the Ohio State offense, they still scored 31. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how good this team is. And mm-hmm. understand, I think Michigan has a great defense. I think they have made many changes. I think Aiden Hutchinson is incredible. I think David Ojabo is amazing. And yet, Ohio State's going to get their points. Okay. What it comes down to me is, 
how effective can the new Michigan offense be in putting together long drives to prevent Ohio State from being able to score again, okay? And the way I see this one ending is Michigan winning on a last-second field goal, okay? I expect it to be super tight. And um, it's funny the way I think it would be kind of ironic the way that people deride Michigan's field goals if somehow that's what it comes down to. But I think that that is realistic. Um, you know, again, I, I, I think that the Michigan offense has shown itself to be so diverse, so many different players, so many different ways to attack. But what it is not is as quick striking as Ohio State. Okay, and that is the thing that, you know, we talked about, I talked about last podcast about, oh, the offense has really been great. You almost wouldn't miss Ronnie Bell or Blake Corum. What we miss with them is that long, quick score capability, the quick strike, the, the, the razor, okay? So what I think how Michigan needs to counter is, again, you know, 5, 10, 15 yards down the field, the good part of that is again it gives your chance it gives your defense a chance to rest and long drive long drives by your offense means their offense isn't on the field okay so I, I really look at it as a yin and yang of you know possess the ball win the um, possession battle you know the clock battle and keep it close and then come through in the end and I think that that scenario um, I think would frustrate this Ohio State offense. Because one thing that I have seen is when you look at them from a team, they're, they're used to winning. They're used to being very successful. And one of the things that happened in that Oregon game is they showed a lot of frustration, right? And I, and I can understand. And that was at home. Imagine heading into this game. You know, there is a pressure on Ohio State to not be the team that screws up the streak. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that, listen, there are going to be a number of Ohio State fans at the game. There always are, okay? But they will be drowned out if Michigan is successful. And Michigan Stadium is a very quiet, lonely place for an opponent. And I think that if Michigan, when Michigan shows themselves to be in this game in the second half, I believe the Michigan fans will rise to the occasion and Ohio State will be in a situation that, that they have not faced. And we'll see how yeah, they respond. Yeah. Because, I, I, you know, one of, the, one of the things the metrics don't take into account, right? And, and I know they do to a, certain, to a certain extent, but college football is a game of emotion, okay? They're played on campuses. And Ohio State's usually at home. And... Um, Ohio State Stadium is a crazy place, right? And and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think it's I think it's awesome. I love the spectacle, right? But welcome to the big house. And it's been a long time since we've seen a game at the big house with these kinds of with these kinds of repercussions, these kinds of implications. And I think um, the Michigan fans are gonna are gonna welcome Ohio State in a great way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and my last my last few thoughts, I think I, I've been trying to figure out how, you know, how I would kind of armchair defensive coordinator try to uh, try to slow this offense down. Um, I, I for me, if you're trying to look at the different weapons that they have and, and how you would handle each one of those, I think it starts, in my opinion, it starts with Garrett Wilson, the receiver, number five, when he was hurt and out. Michigan, or excuse me, Ohio State's offense was not nearly as dynamic, right? I think he is the uh, he's the key, right? Almost he's he's Jahan Dotson to Penn State, except they've got way more weapons on top of that, right? He is he's that good, and he is the he's the leading edge. He's the tip of the spear. So for me, if I'm Mike McDonald, I want to try to limit. Garrett Wilson with my game plan. The next thing is that I, I would I would put it in terms of matchups. It's going to be uh, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo against Chris Olave. And here's what I mean: Chris Olave is not having a particularly great season, 
in terms of usage, in terms of touches, targets, and receptions. But when he's getting the ball, they're 40 and 50 and 70-yard touchdowns. He's still leading the team in touchdowns. Almost uh, the old Chris Carter adage of, you know, that's all he does is, is score touchdowns. Um, so he is the deep threat. He's the one, you know, they all, all of their weapons have enough speed to take the top off the defense, but they use him specifically to try to take the top off the defense. That means you cannot give Stroud enough time to find Olave. Can't do it, right? It's got to be Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo using different pass rush techniques on top of different blitzes from, from McDonald to make sure that C.J. Stroud doesn't have enough time to sit there and hit Olave over the top. We've seen it with two different quarterbacks. We saw Justin Fields do it. We saw Dwayne Haskins do it. It's all about those defensive ends limiting Stroud's time to sit there and find Olave down the field. And then the other matchup that I would say is going to be the Michigan linebackers, especially Josh Ross, against Travion Henderson. Travion Henderson, the running back, um, is and Mayan Williams uh, right behind him. Um, there's they're very dynamic. Right again, that's their own version of Donovan Edwards. Those linebackers have to keep him from hitting hitting home runs. Right, you have to make tackles. You have to fill the correct gap. It cannot you cannot let Travion Henderson have a day like Kenneth Walker had for the Spartans. It cannot be that. It has to be the absolute best game for the Michigan linebackers to keep uh, Henderson in check. They don't have to shut him down. You don't have to hold him to 20 yards or 25 yards. You got to keep him. If you keep him in mind, Williams, uh, under 125 yards, then I'd say that's a good day, right? And then the last weapon then becomes Jackson Smith Ojigba. He's the, the third wide receiver and maybe the most talented but the youngest to me, that's that's where it's Dax Hill against Jackson Smith of Jigba, right? That's the that's the matchup, and you can't guarantee that, right? In any given formation, and if Michigan's having success uh, with that matchup, then Ohio State will find a way to get uh, Smith of Jigba away from Daxton Hill. But that's that's how I'm doing it, right? I'm telling my defensive line, you've got to you got to stop Olave by not giving Stroud enough time. Right? I'm going to scheme using my safeties and, and overhang defenders to try to make sure that I'm bracketing Garrett Wilson because I think he's the tip of the spear. Right, Linebackers, you're responsible for the running backs. That's in coverage and in the running game because I don't think their running game is the tip of the spear. If you make them be a run-first team, I think that that's great. I'll trade one running back huge day for what Michigan State saw with three wide receivers blowing up. Right, And then – I'm going to use my personnel advantage or, or at least the best defensive back that I've got from a talent standpoint against who I think is their most talented wide receiver, and that's Ujigba. So that is a, that's a reasonable starting point, right? That, that's a thing that can work. Even though this is a monster offense, it, it matches up. Michigan can do it, to your point. It can be done. So – you're not going to shut this team down, but if you do, if if Michigan keeps Ohio State to 31, they've got to win because that is, you know, that's gold star across the board for the defense. If they can hold them, I think if they can hold them under 35, they can win because this Michigan, this Ohio State defense has holes, and I think Gaddis is going to find some. Uh, I think it's going to look a lot like the the bowl game against uh, Alabama a couple years ago, right? So you just you got to stop them, slow them down enough that you give Gaddis time to find the holes in the defense because they will give you some holes. And then, like we've both said, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter and who steps up and who wants it more right at that moment. And I, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. I think, you know, if you had to have it in a, in a catchphrase, it's you can't shut them down, but you can slow them down. And slowing them down, I believe, will – stymie them a little bit, something they're not used to. Michigan's defense is patterned after the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, That's where Mike McDonald came from. And one of the things that I've noticed about them is that in big games, they do different things. Okay, And I I believe that 
there are some interesting things in, in the bag of tricks that we're going to see against Ohio State that they're not going to know how to deal with. And listen, they will deal with them. You know, again, they're smart coaches on the other side, but what you need to do is this get them off balance for a little bit. Something put them in a different situation. Put them make them deal with something that they haven't dealt with before. And I think that for me the key here is that even under Don Brown, Michigan has had a run of really good defensive linemen and defensive ends. But the emergence of David Ajabo to go with Aiden Hutchinson this year, I think is a very interesting problem. And when you're game planning and trying to defend this Michigan defense, when you're trying to set up your matchups, on the flip side, you have two pieces that give you tons of options. And I don't I, I expect to see things from the Michigan's defense that we have not seen this season yet. And I expect to see Hutchinson moved around. I expect to see Ajabo moved around. I'm really excited to see what they have in the cards. Because I, I, you know, and I've said it a few times during this podcast, this team has been built for this game. And I, I think that they're coming in with the confidence that perhaps the last few Michigan teams might not have had. Okay. And, you know, we talked last year, um, you know, what drove the change away from Don Brown. And there was a frustration, there was a frustration among the players that we're doing the same thing. We're not changing. It's not working. You're not listening to us. And I think that that frustration helped drive the change to this much younger overall staff, bring in younger coaches. And I think that um, switching away from what I would say was a gimmick defense to a a more pro-oriented defense, I think that's why this was done. So... Uh, Again, excited for Saturday. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.